Hello and welcome to the Wonder Baba podcast. My name is Sheena Mitchell. I'm a pharmacist and mum of three. I'm here to chat all about child and family health. I combine healthcare and practical advice to help you on your parenting journey. I really hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'll be speaking to Rachel Murray, an ambassador for CF Ireland. We'll be discussing her two-year-old daughter Eva's journey with cystic fibrosis. We'll chat all about her diagnosis, what life is like since, what life is like now, how it impacts their day-to-day life, how Rachel coped and still copes with her daughter's diagnosis. And Rachel explains beautifully and clearly the journey that a family will go through on diagnosis of their child. Of course, at the end, we talk about all of the reasons why there is so much hope for the future. I am delighted to partner with one of my all-time favorite products, Salem Plus. This is the world's first 100% natural dry salt therapy device. It's clinically proven to relieve a wide variety of allergens and respiratory conditions. The salt therapy method has been trusted for generations and has become hugely popular worldwide as more and more people recognize the superb results achieved from a natural and non-invasive method. This device will help you breathe easier and sleep better. Ireland has one of the highest global incidences of cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease that primarily affects the lungs and digestive system. The symptoms of cystic fibrosis are caused by a defect in the CFTR gene. This gene normally regulates and controls the amount and composition of the fluid in the airways and other organs. Normally this fluid is thin and clear and works to lubricate our organs to protect them from infection. In CF patients, this genetic control of protective mucus is not working correctly and it can result in excessive sticky secretions which can block up the airways and lead to increased infections. It also blocks the flow of digestive enzymes from the pancreas into the gut. This causes impaired digestion and poor absorption of food. Not all children are affected equally or in the same way. Cystic fibrosis affects only 1 in 1600 children in Ireland, so a diagnosis can be overwhelming and frightening as you may not understand much about it before your child is diagnosed. Cystic Fibrosis Ireland is a huge support and an amazing resource for parents. Your child will also be cared for and treated by cystic fibrosis specialists who have full expertise in the treatments your child needs. These two groups of people help you manage your child's cystic fibrosis and teach you when to seek help. Medicine has advanced significantly over recent years and a CF diagnosis is no longer as difficult as it once was. Life expectancy and lifestyle has improved so dramatically due to new treatments and there is every hope advancements will continue in this positive way. Hi Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Sheena, thank you so much for having me on. So tell me a little bit about you and before your life with children. Before my life with children, uh, yeah that was different. I I worked uh, in theatre production um, all through my 20s and into my 30s and then uh, yeah I worked freelance mainly for different theatre companies and did a lot of uh, travel tour management and production stuff um, for different companies and yeah until I was about 34 I was working for Riverdance uh, I worked for them over the years and I was working for them at the time when I was pregnant with my son James um, who was born in 2018. Okay, so a big dramatic change then to to bedtime, (laughs) basically. (laughs) Yeah. So James is now four, is that right? Yeah, Yeah, he's four and a half. He's still in Montessori. So yeah, his last year in Montessori and then to big school next year. Okay, so James was born a happy, healthy baby. He was, yeah. He was born, yeah, in February 2018 and... uh, first pregnancy and first baby and it was all and no COVID not COVID was not a thing at that time and all that stuff so yeah it was all very happy and lovely and we spent you know five days or yeah five nights because I had an emergency c-section so we spent five nights in the hospital and it was all a big love bubble with the new baby it was great I mean they said to me do you want to go home after the fourth night and I was like no no can I can I stay can I stay tonight too please like there's a menu here (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
obviously you went on to become pregnant with a second child. I did. Yeah. Like uh, James was very much planned. Eva was very much planned. Um, and I got pregnant very quickly with both of them, maybe a month, <laughs> like actually straight away, I think with Eva, like, you know, so like that was, we were very lucky. There was no issues there. So um, yeah, my pregnancies w- with both kids were absolutely fine. Like routine, I guess you call them what that is but yeah they were fine and scans were fine and I had no issues for the usual things you know I'm tired we felt like really lucky and then my partner is older than me and I was not I realized a spring chicken having (laughs) even having James like I think they used the word geriatric and I was like you can stop using that word (laughs) oh god (laughs) it's just yeah you know so yeah so um like yeah we realized we were really lucky and I think like after having James and everything going well and everything and then with the second pregnancy I felt really even though it was during COVID yeah Eva was born in June 2020 and I still felt totally confident in my pregnancy and and felt fine you know and felt like everything's gonna be okay you know my last baby was okay I feel okay it's get the COVID thing scary like we don't want to get COVID because we don't know what that means being pregnant so you know we're really careful but I I had such a confidence in in it. Yeah. Obviously very straightforward pregnancies and you know very well I'm not going to say straightforward obviously it's an emergency section and then a planned section afterwards but before all of that had you any awareness of cystic fibrosis before you started having kids like was it something that was on your radar? It was on my radar, <laughs> weirdly. Um, when I worked with Riverdance, uh, one of my colleagues' uh, son has cystic fibrosis, and he had told me about it. He had told me about how they'd found out the diagnosis of it. And me, at that time, not having children, you know, I listened to the story and, you know, felt like, God, that must be really hard and everything. But really, you know, I, I don't think I related to it on any sort of kind of really real emotional level. But like, felt for my colleague in 2018 every year Riverdance does a kind of a charity they have a charity partner and in 2018 Cystic Fibrosis Ireland was the charity partner and so we did a big fundraiser at the Gaiety and uh, for Cystic Fibrosis Ireland and that's on the production team working on that and so I had an awareness of what it was and at the time was pregnant with James you know so it was on my radar but it was never like this is something to do with me and yeah. even though I obviously read one in 19 people in Ireland are, can be carriers of a cystic fibrosis gene, it was just like, la, 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 that's yeah. nothing to do with me. And I remember my colleague saying that, like, when they suggested that his child might have cystic fibrosis, and he was like, ah, oh, no, no, that's nothing to do with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's something still... to happen to other people. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think, I think that's like across the board in life. Like, I remember. I don't know, my dad getting sick and stuff. And I was like, I don't know, like that's for other people. Yeah. (laughs) And I think though, that's probably a normal enough coping mechanism for life. Because if you took in every bit of worry, yesterday I was driving the kids home from somewhere and they were, we were talking about potential holidays and we're like, oh, we might get the ferry to Scotland because my husband's family live over there. And you know, the seven-year-old was like, what if, because they've, they've, one of the older kids had been reading a lot about the Titanic. They're like, what if it sinks? And I'm like, do you know how dangerous cars are? And you get into one of them every day. It's grand. Yeah. I was like, you need to not worry about stuff that isn't yeah. imminently likely, do you know? <laughs> and I think that's probably what we do with any medical condition, do you know? Yeah. Just, you have to. Yeah. And that's fair. Like we'd all go completely mad. Otherwise, it's just exactly. too much. There's too many possibilities out there. But I'm gathering from what you're saying there, you weren't aware of any carrier gene in yourself or Jason's history. No, we weren't. Neither of us were aware of that at all. And no one in our family and not even anyone that were like, oh, that could have been cystic fibrosis. I'd just like to further explain a little bit about genetics and diagnosis in cystic fibrosis. Every person carries two copies of every gene, one from our mother and one from our father. One in 19 people in Ireland are said to carry one of the altered CFTR genes. This means that they have a regular CFTR gene and a mutated gene. 
You do not have cystic fibrosis unless both of your copies of this gene are altered. For someone to have cystic fibrosis, both their mother and their father need to have carried at least one altered CFTOR gene each. Both parents carry one faulty gene, then their child has a 25% chance of being born with cystic fibrosis. So that's a one in four chance. They have a 50% chance of being a healthy carrier, which may be like their parents are now. They mightn't have known that they were carrying the gene. And the kids will have a 25% chance of not having cystic fibrosis and not being a carrier of the altered gene. Because one in 19 people in Ireland are thought to carry the altered CFTOR gene, all newborn children in Ireland are tested for cystic fibrosis as part of the newborn blood spot screening. This is also known as the heel prick test. If your child's heel prick test alerts the doctors to cystic fibrosis, then your child will have a sweat test. This test for the amount of salt present on the skin. In cystic fibrosis, there's a dysregulation of chloride. and This causes excessive salt to be in your child's sweat. Okay, so Rachel, bring us back to the hospital. How did it feel? Obviously you had James at home. So suddenly yeah. you had this gorgeous little baby girl. Were you just so excited <laughs> to have a little girl? I was so ecstatic. Like I was so just amazed and she was beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, this is just, and we had found out that it was a girl. We'd actually found out on Christmas day, we got, you know, had the test, we got them to write it down and we opened it on Christmas day, which was really <laughs> cute. Oh my God. <laughs> First of all, how did you have the willpower? Uh, yeah, I, know. I gave it to my mom <laughs> and I was like, don't give us this until Christmas day. You know? Oh my God. That's such a lovely idea. Yeah, it was really nice. It's so yeah. funny because <laughs> I have three kids and on our first child, we told no one that we knew what we were having. We were like, no, no surprise. No, like I had to find out. I like I can't deal with mystery. So we just pretended we didn't know. And I was so shocked. I was having a girl because I have three older brothers and Alan's family like hadn't had a girl in something like 100 years. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> So we were like, oh, my God, so surprised. And I was like, I don't know what to do with girls. Like I grew up with boys and it's just, you yeah. know. And then on my second one, we found out. Um, and on my third one, I remember we went to find out <laughs> and the baby wasn't in the correct position. And we were really disappointed leaving the scan that we couldn't find yeah. out. And Alan went back to work anyway, because he had literally taken time off for the appointment. And I couldn't cope. I didn't tell him because I knew he'd kill me. And I rang up some private scanning place for like and booked an appointment for later that day. <laughs> <laughs> Sheena, oh my God. I just had to know. <laughs> it's like, what is wrong with you? But anyway, so I definitely wouldn't have had the willpower to hold it till wow. Christmas Day. That's we, we, we didn't know for James, but I knew it was a boy. Like I would have been shocked if came out of girl. Yeah, like I, you did. We didn't know, but we knew. So oh, yeah, no, you definitely would not have the willpower. <laughs> no, I just ripped that. I'd have broken into my mother's house and ripped it over. I wouldn't have been able to cope. Okay, everything is beautiful. You've had your little girl. Obviously, in the hospitals, you know, as we've just discussed there during, um, I suppose the explanation on diagnosis. They do what's called the heel prick test. And one of the things they test for is CF. So yeah. was that the first mention of CF to you or how, how did you, when was it first mentioned? Honestly, no, like even doing the heel prick test because James had his heel prick test in the hospital. And at the time I asked, you know, what is the test for? They give you a thing and they just kind of say, oh, you know, rare things. Don't worry about it. Like very unlikely. And then with James, it, he was didn't fine. Have CF, so it was fine. Never heard anything again. So when they did on an Eva, I didn't even, I was just like, oh, the heel protest. And like at the time, but yeah, I, I actually remember like they did, they came into the room and she was like, I'm just going to take the baby away to the heel protest. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'll come with you, you know, or do it in here. So I never wanted to be apart from her. And so I was, went with the, and you know, they did it. And I didn't even ask again. Like they probably left the little card thing that it's for, but I was just like, oh, rare diseases. Yeah, you know, naively, my first kid was fine. This one's probably fine too. Didn't think about it really. Yeah. So when when was the first time that it was mentioned then? So um, we went home. Everything was fine. 
and like I don't remember her not putting on weight when I was at home in those couple of weeks but uh, two weeks in the public health nurse came and said look I have to repeat the heel prick test they didn't take enough blood for the first one and I was like oh I was thinking oh no you have to do the heel prick test again like oh this is terrible my poor little girl has to go through the heel prick again like really do you have to do it like you know that was my reaction and she was like yeah we have to do it so they took they did the heel she did the heel prick again in my house and you know she was asking like is there anything going on is there anything you're worried about and James was not a baby who got sick at all like I don't remember him vomiting I was like what are these the, um Muslims yeah the Muslims <laughs> I was like what are these even for like I don't know um <laughs> like he never got sick and uh but Eva what would Eat, 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 and then she she'd vomit like really kind of you know like I remember saying to the nurse like it's it's quite like it's like projectile vomiting like when she vomits afterwards and she the nurse was like okay well it might just be you know a position you're holding or you know the yeah. usual kind of stuff and just kind of talk to me whatever about it and but she was eating so we were just okay grant but uh, then she was born on Tuesday three weeks that Tuesday that Tuesday three weeks I got a phone call. Um, in the afternoon and it was the CF nurse in Crumlin Hospital and she just said hi is this Rachel look we think Eva has cystic fibrosis and you need to come in to us tomorrow morning um, so we can do what's called a sweat test and test her for this and I was like I'm sorry I've got the wrong number like do you know what I mean like I was just like what and I was like no no I think there's some mistake like there was a repeat you know a repeat with the, I just thought it was a mistake I was like this is wrong like they've got this wrong but I was totally freaking out like I was like it was like a huge anxiety like pounding heart like all that stuff like I was just like what is going on here like this is a mistake it's a horrendous one (laughs) yeah but I did believe it was a mistake but anyway she just she was like you need to come here tomorrow and to this place I'll meet you and we'll go through everything from there and she was like please don't google anything tonight everything's out of date about cystic fibrosis and we will explain everything to you tomorrow and I was like, okay. Because so, I was I, just going to say the first thing I do is like. Yeah. Well, obviously the first thing I did was that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Fair enough. I, yeah. You definitely would have been able to hold back, but I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have registered for some sort of medical degree to find out more. <laughs> um, like I was deep diving in there. And, it, and so while I, I waited, Jay came home, I told him. He was like, okay, let, you know, like we have to just do the practicalities of like, okay, let's get James to granny. Let's do, you know, all of that stuff for the morning. And then, but like, I just lay awake all night with Eva asleep on top of me, like reading about cystic fibrosis. And I was like, it was like, I'd been hit by a truck or something. Like it was like the most horrendous thing I've ever felt, ever. How did it feel to have to talk to Jason about it and you know I suppose you know you you wonder how people cope and everyone copes so differently and to tell someone bad news ever even though you know we know now that there's been so much advancement in the care of cystic fibrosis patients but ultimately you know it's not a good diagnosis like it's not one that you want you know no it certainly isn't so to share that how did that feel uh, yeah, I actually remember it's like one of those kind of like, like a snapshot of like, I can remember him coming home because he was like rushing home, you know, like he was really excited to come home to his new baby and everything and like coming in the door and like, hey, and I was like, okay, you're going to have to sit down, you know, and like, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's everything you can imagine of like awfulness and, and not understanding. We didn't understand anything about it really. So we were just like, it's like just being you were just like thrown out into the sea or something that's how it felt I think like we're both looking at each other going like I don't understand either I don't understand and like me mainly I was like I don't this is it's not going to be true you know and I think actually because I'm here while you're speaking thinking about the timing and I think they did it in a way like that's kind of the perfect timing you want a heads up so to be told the day before so that you can just, even if, you know, you, you still didn't believe it, you know, you could have some information going mm. into any conversation. You could do and have some time to adjust your headspace, maybe. 
but not to leave you more than one night because yeah that would have been torture a torture and also and, and in fairness it, it it was like you know whatever we can say about our health system that i found the care and the treatment and like the contact with her cf team and everything has been excellent like and it, it was we were only like, like they rang me at around like half four or five that afternoon and we were in at 9 a.m the next morning met talked to supported yeah it was they do a thing called a sweat test where they test the amount of um salt in the baby's sweat to see if it's elevated because that's a, a, a symptom and um and then we were sent home for a few hours while they kind of get the results of this and in those few hours I was really clinging on to like no it's not going to be it's going to be negative and Jay was like look we're going to go back in and they're going to tell us they're going to confirm that she has this he had to kind of say that to me and really pull me out of like the no. denial the <laughs> denial yeah 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 totally but yeah I find the care and like the process of it was really quick and supportive and good so obviously it was someone from the CF team that rang you the first day. So I was going to ask how quick all that kicked in, but obviously immediately is the yeah, answer. Yeah, immediately. Yes. The next morning was a sweat test. And that afternoon we went back in and met her doctor uh, who had rang the day before and who had been there that morning. And they sat down with us and explained that Eva did have cystic fibrosis and explained a bit about what that was and what that meant like and all the time it's just like me and Jay sitting next to each other and me like feeding Eva like holding this tiny baby and feeling like you're in a dream or something not a dream a nightmare <laughs> like just a film you know that kind of feeling when those bad things happen you're like this is not real outer body yeah yeah totally. haze but it was very fast and then you know I think so that Tuesday then a Wednesday and then maybe on the Friday or the Thursday or Friday we went in and met her team to get like her meds and get her sighted and all that stuff and her team of people okay yeah and when were you first told about cystic fibrosis Ireland I think I'm maybe I found it myself where like it was mentioned like you know when when you start to tell people about it or yeah like it probably comes up as you're looking it up and stuff yeah and I contacted them relatively early, you know, because uh, and just to say, like, look, I'm here. My daughter has this diagnosis and they were so helpful. And even just like at the very beginning, they they put me in contact with, you know, they have kind of people who who work for the charity who have cystic fibrosis, who are then kind of supporters of people in my position who are like, you know, just have a phone conversation with me about what what it is, what life is, just just a support there to kind of explain things further to you or to just be a support you know which was really really nice and they offer which I took up they pay for counselling for a certain number of counselling sessions for you and yeah so I, I just I reached out to them pretty early but I mean I think you can kind of you could you know I could have put that off for ages because this was kind of a denial around like that this is yeah I didn't want to at the beginning it's very hard to even tell people about it because you don't want it to be real you know you're like I don't want to say this about my daughter because I don't want it to be real I don't want to be in contact with that charity because I don't want this to be part of my life you know what I mean yeah rejecting it in a way yeah yeah so like it takes a while to come around to all that stuff I guess yeah I assume that the CF team and your own research online I think it is important to say to people that Cystic Fibrosis Ireland, which is cfireland.ie, have, you know, accurate information because, as you mentioned there earlier, there's nothing worse than Dr. Google and reading out of date information because it's it's so important to to read the, the current situation because realistically, the, I suppose, quality of life and life expectancy and everything of cystic fibrosis patients has changed so dramatically over the last 20 years. Yeah. And new medications are coming all the time. I might just take this little minute to explain some of the medications used in cystic fibrosis and why they might be used. There's lots of different medications used for the treatment of cystic fibrosis. Historically, their sole purpose would be to relieve symptoms and help prevent complications. Examples of medications that would be used to promote good lung health, inhalers or nebulizers to help open up the airways, Oral antibiotics, which are used to prevent chest infections or as backup treatments to treat a chest infection. Physiotherapy 
to help clear mucus, sinus rinses and sprays to help flush some of the mucus out of the sinuses. Supplemental oxygen is also needed at times when oxygen levels are low. And sometimes cystic fibrosis patients will need hospitalization and intravenous antibiotic therapy. Ways to help improve gastrointestinal symptoms, so tummy symptoms, which are a result of inadequate enzymes to break down and assist with the absorption of vitamins, minerals and fats from your food. Include a high calorie diet, taking oral enzymes to help digest and absorb your food, taking special multivitamins and supplements, and sometimes people need anti-reflux medicines that help with stomach acid or laxatives to help increase bowel movements and prevent constipation. Sometimes people with cystic fibrosis will need peg feeding, which is a supplemental type of feeding to help with weight gain. In significantly advanced patients where their lung function is extremely poor, a lung transplant is an option. It's a life-saving operation. Unfortunately, it's not a cure for cystic fibrosis. Sometimes people with cystic fibrosis also get CF or D, which is cystic fibrosis-related diabetes. This needs to be managed alongside their other symptoms. The good news is that there are another group of medications which have been introduced and are now being used in Ireland. These are medications that actually impact on the working of the CFTR gene. So these work by helping more chloride ions to pass into and out of the cells, which help to keep a balance of salt and water in certain organs, such as the lungs. This means that you're treating the problem at its origin and not treating the complications as they arise. This is a really significant development in the treatment of cystic fibrosis. Rachel, when did you find out or how does it work in terms of, obviously there I was speaking about medications which work for specific types of genetic mutation. So did you find out, you know, what type of mutation affected Eva at that stage or did her treatment start generically or how did that work? We found out straight away, like the, after the sweat test that afternoon, that Eva was double Delta F508. And that is the most common form of, you know, genetic mutation with it counting for more than 55.5% of CF in Ireland. There is other mutations like one of the G551D gene, which is 15% in Ireland and or 117H, which is 6%. But there are seven mutations of the CFTR gene, which account for 80% of CF cases in Ireland. And obviously the different types of medication act on different mutations. So I'm I have to say I'm shocked and surprised out of pure ignorance that you found out that day. I don't know why I thought that process of finding out would be so long and hard. It's it's great that you, you know what you're dealing with straight away. Yeah, I, I guess they must do that, not, like not via the sweat test, they do that via the blood test so they kind of know, yeah. you know, anyway. But you're like, and, and so straight away they were able to tell us, you know, there is medication that your daughter will be on you know, by the time she's two, which Eva just started, um, or can be when she was two, and um, will be on um, a newer drug, which is a kind of a triple combination drug. When it is approved from age two to six, it's it's currently approved from age six and over for people who are double Delta F508 like Eva, or people who have one F508 mutation and another mutation. However, there was actually a protest last week outside the door because there is a group of 35 children who have the the one Delta F508 mutation and one other mutation who somehow were left off. It seems like they were left off the original contract that was made up, that was made between the HSE and Vertex, the pharmaceutical company. They were left off the contract somehow and so don't have access to Caftrio, don't have access to this life-changing drug at the moment. So they're kind of left, left out of that. It just, it seems like a contractual mistake but obviously, there was, you know, this is really, really heartbreaking and infuriating and like crazy to deal with for 
them and for their families and because the drug is there and they feel like they should be on it in, every, in other countries in Europe kids are on it who have their mutations so they're calling for the HSE and Vertex to to try and sort the problem out um, um, that's just an aside no. um, yeah that's then that, so hard because you know when you know there's something out there that could help your child and yeah. every other child around you with yeah. you know different specific mutations are getting treatment yeah like that's an innate injustice if it's there like you can understand if there is no help or drug available for a specific mutation but when there is like it's not okay no i know i mean it must be beyond like cf is so it's so hard to deal with emotionally as a parent anyway and obviously as a child and these children are between six and eleven so they know what's going on you know and so for them to know that and that this is a progressive disease. Every day counts, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it just must be it's just, so infuriating for those parents. Uh, it's unnecessary. Um, and that's the worst of it, you know? And that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it seems like that. And like, yeah, exactly, in, unnecessary and. Oh. Okay, so I suppose in terms of Eva's medication then, what was a typical day like, do you know, from once you got diagnosis and then obviously I know you've recently had the addition of Orcambi, but what what does your day look like in terms of Eva's care? Okay, so yeah, from the beginning and certainly at the very beginning, it's a bit of a minefield. You're like, what? I can't believe I have to give this kid all this stuff. They're tiny. I'm st- I'm trying to feed them. Okay, so the day from three weeks, she would have had to take uh, Creon, which is enzyme replacements. They're enzymes that she takes because cystic fibrosis doesn't just affect your lungs, it affects your pancreas and digestive system. And her her pancreas is a little bit blocked and doesn't release enzymes enzymes to digest her food. So you replace those. So before she would breastfeed, Three weeks, like at three weeks, she's breastfeeding all the time. <laughs> uh, you had to give her um, her enzymes on a little bit of apple puree because you give it in something acidic. So, like, it goes against everything that you think you're like, I'm not meant to be giving her this stuff, you know, like solid anything. Ah. But anyway, that you put on <laughs> a tiny bit of apple and before, before she eats each time, and that helps her digest the milk. Fatty foods and protein is what they need to take the enzymes with so she'd have that every t- before every time she fed and then twice a day she'd have to take um a really tiny little amount well it's tiny when we look at it but it's not tiny for a baby uh, of salt solution because people with cf lose a lot more salt in their sweat babies lose a lot more and they need the salt to grow so you have to kind of replace that so she'd have to take salt solution twice a day which is like spraying salt water into your baby's mouth, like seawater into your baby's mouth. I can imagine that. Them to be like, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, imagine that went down a treat. A treat, exactly. And then she was also on a prophylactic dose of antibiotic twice a day. And that was in case she got any sort of infection that antibiotic would already start fighting it. And then if she really was starting to get sick, you'd double the dose to kind of like a, whatever, a fighting dose of whatever. Yeah. Whatever. yeah. And then physio okay and the physio is that something you were able to do yourself on her yes Yes. yeah yeah and when she's a baby it's just like bouncing her on a ball like on an exercise ball and you're bouncing her just to kind of get air moving through her lungs and then she'd have a little uh, a mask that she wears over her face uh, or over her nose and mouth and it creates resistance as she breathes out so she's kind of like using her lungs to kind of push more air out and kind of exercise her lungs a bit so trying to just keep her lungs clear and healthy I know with CF obviously it affects every child so differently there are many kids who might get to maybe two or three before having any symptoms so Eva obviously had issues early on like you'd had one baby before I'm not going to say having a newborn is easy but you know it must have seemed easy yeah. in comparison yeah I was like oh remember that <laughs> you have to do all this other stuff yeah like at the beginning it's really just yeah if you're a new mom and like I mean I, if it was your first one you'd just be like what the hell but even with the second one it was it's just like I'm crying she's crying I don't want to give her this stuff she doesn't want this stuff 
<laughs> like, ah, I have to get it into her. She's spitting it out. It's throat, you know, it's just like, it's really hard. And like, you know, even just like the dosages and everything, I was getting them mixed up and like, you're so frazzled and trying to do things twice a day and trying to fit everything in and trying to be normal to your other kid. And like, yeah, it was just like a lot. But then, and people kept saying to me, they're like, it's, it just becomes part of your day. It just becomes normal. It'll become like clockwork. You'll just know how to do it. And that is what happens. But like the beginning doesn't feel like that at all. And there's so um, much learning. Like they're even saying, yeah. you know, obviously to use your enzymes with fatty foods and yeah. protein. It's like... Dose them the right amount yeah like you um, sound like a pharmacist now <laughs> yeah, yeah. like you do become an expert in your in the disease that you that you're living with life. yeah so and like and yeah you're right like cf completely affects one kid to the next and one person to the next very differently and in, you know in one way eva actually being really good and really healthy you know it's really unlucky that eva has cystic fibrosis like it's it's really against the odds that you get it yeah. um really even like for us it's a one in four chance that our kids will have cystic fibrosis if so if we have another child there's a one in four chance so if you had if we had another baby we'd have ivf to make sure um but like just in general in the population it's so unlikely so it's really unlucky but it is we do feel like but it is lucky that she's born now and and that it's caught when she's three weeks so she's treated they're given creon the enzymes yeah. from the age of three weeks so they put on weight so and they're given special cf vitamins yeah. you know from that age so they have the right amount of vitamins so her vitamin levels are okay so even when so when she gets infections she can fight she can fight them better you know because she's at the right weight because uh, she's being treated and for things like the salt as she gets older you know she won't have to be drinking salt solutions she'll be able to add salt to her diet yeah, and actually that after one, you don't give the salt solution anymore. Yeah, it's just like, and actually we don't even add salt, extra salt. It's just like Irish food, you cook with salt, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like that's what the nurses say. They're like, look, in Ireland, we don't really add extra salt. Like, it's just, you know, we cook with enough salt anyway. Yeah. I might add, like, she likes tomatoes and I'd sprinkle salt in them, whereas I wouldn't do that with my son, but like. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. subtly and where necessary, yeah. just to be conscious of it. And I suppose even things yeah. like, you know, when it's hot weather and, you know, even as she gets older, just general exercise, you know, and sweating just to replace the salt. Exactly. Yeah. So it's mad because even talking to you, I'm imagining how instinctive it becomes. But I definitely can only start to imagine how overwhelming it was at the beginning because every mum knows that having a newborn, there's enough to adapt to. Yeah, it's just that I know. multiply so much as well. But like, you're just worried about all your kids all the time. Anyway. You just were explaining there that any future children you have would have a one in four chance of yeah. having CF, and this is to do with the likelihood of passing one CF gene each again. So, twenty five percent chance of being born with CF, fifty yeah. percent chance of being a healthy carrier. So having one one gene yeah. what I have one and what Jason has. Yes. Yeah. And then a twenty-five percent chance of getting the two non-affected genes from both of you and not having CF at all or being a carrier. I'm just interested, you know, you said there obviously if you ever decided to have another child, you know, that you could have IVF. So you know, in essence, have your and Jason's baby and you know be sure that genetically they're not as much as they can tell at that stage I think they say that it's not a hundred percent but that they won't have cystic fibrosis yeah you're saying there that that's something that you know you would do rather than I suppose just yeah you don't even have to talk about it from a personal perspective but from talking to other moms like is is that commonly done uh, do you know what I actually I, I actually don't know for us I think it's probably just that we're done with our two and then and so we're not going to have to make that choice yeah and I think look I think it's just good to highlight it as a possibility for yeah. any parents of children who have cystic fibrosis to yeah. just 
And, you know, you get genetic counselling and this is where they tell you about like that option and stuff. Like when, when if your child is diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, you will be referred on to a genetic counsellor and we'll have a session with them and they'll explain like all the genetics that led to this and how you can go on to have more children and what the risks are if you do it naturally and what, you know, so that you get that all explained to you completely by, by a professional, you know. That's really good because, as you said there, everyone everyone is different and it's nice to make an informed choice. Yeah. I suppose the advance in medication with, you know, the relatively recent introduction of Orcambi and other similar drugs, like how does that make you feel? And how did you feel knowing that Eva would be starting on Orcambi at two? I just wanted to to get her on it. These drugs actually, like they're not treating the symptoms, they treat the the problem. The whole thing about it for people to understand is that that protein is literally creating this fluid which protects our organs and helps to prevent infection and, you know, lubricates them all and keeps them healthy. So it is amazing because then you're intercepting potential damage that would have been done otherwise yeah now she's on her canby and i'm delighted and she's tolerating it really well because the fear was like oh maybe she'll have a bad reaction to this maybe she won't you know like maybe there'll be some some reason that she can't stay on it and that was a fear okay of ours but like but no she's tolerating it well so that's good but now i'm just when you know when is catria going to be okay because this is even better so it's just like always this kind of like Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I want it now. You know what I mean? I want it for her now to protect her, you know, and to, I can, even though Eva's well, like her doctor would say she's well, she hasn't had, you know, hospital admissions, touch wood and stuff. And, but I can see that our can be made, has made a difference. I can see symptoms wise or even like how salty she, she tastes, like you can taste the salt, like that's reduced. It's working, yeah. you know, so I want the better thing. Like I want there to be a cure you know what I mean but like if not I want her to be on Catrio quick come on hurry up do the trials like no. that's how I feel because it's unreal to think that cystic fibrosis used to be a childhood illness because mm. it was a fatal childhood illness it's certainly moving towards now obviously look it's still life limiting but mm. it's moving to towards chronic disease and yeah. that's that's what you want, you know, to be able to manage a disease is a completely different thing from a yeah. terminal diagnosis. And yeah. I just think if we've changed that much in 20 years, yeah, there's so much hope out there. I have to say, like, although there is the underlying anxiety of her having CF, she's just a normal little two year old having a great time running around on the trampoline fighting with her brother. She's really feisty and she just, you know, runs rings around him and like she's gorgeous and laughing and she doesn't know that she has CF and she's just like living her life and having a good time. It's brilliant. So sometimes I forget. I do forget. All those medications and stuff do become just part of your day and you forget and then you, you sometimes I clock like somebody looking what's she giving her daughter you know what I mean like and I'm like oh yeah this is not a normal thing I'm wondering about support and I know you spoke earlier about the initial instinct of not wanting to talk about Eva's diagnosis because obviously it's painful how then did you find telling your friends and family you know how have you found support or understanding of the condition since then um Telling people is really just really hard because it makes it real. I think that's what I struggled with. Like, I don't want to tell them. It makes it real, saying it out loud and stuff. But, like, obviously you have to tell people. And, like, I told my close friends and they they were great. Like, people are so much more in the know after COVID because, well, like, we understand spreading germs and spreading viruses and coughs and how that can be dangerous. And... And that's what it is for people with cystic fibrosis. Flu, colds, coughs, uh, respiratory illnesses can damage their lungs, which leads to shortening of their life. And like, that's what it is. It's like, that's why you have to explain it to people so that they understand, like, please do not come to our house if you've got a cold or a cough. Like, 
just because it will shorten her life. Before, I think I would have been like, like I've got a cold, it's grand. Like, we all understand a bit more since COVID and stuff, but it is still tricky and then people are kind of more lax now again. And But like support from friends has been great. Like they don't, they're your friends. They don't want you to, to see something sad happen to you or something, especially other mothers are just like, oh my God, like I can't even imagine that, you know? And like they can't, because I couldn't imagine it before. I couldn't imagine what it is to have a child with a sickness that won't go away. Like it's just, like when your kid's sick, you're like, God, my kid's sick. Like when is this going to get better? But for one, to have one that you can't make it go away for them, it's something else, you know? And you just, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't imagine it before it and so I know that other people can't imagine it and they just go that must be awful but people are great last year actually for CF Ireland 20 of my friends from school we were 20 years out of school and 20 of my friends from school uh, ran the women's mini marathon and raised 20 grand for CF Ireland so that was lovely it's that incredible was really yeah. it was lovely it was felt like you know it's just like people coming together because they want to do something they want to be helpful and that's people's care yeah Yeah. that's people's way that because obviously it's very little that anyone can do to help you on a practical level yeah but by raising funds for CF Island like I just think that kind of thing is so special and I suppose it's important to take all of that in on the dark days so that you know people want the best for you and Eva absolutely and it was really really like a really meant a lot like you know the money raised was great but really it was just like the fact that people did this and the support the feeling of support from it was lovely people care yeah and like and the thing is all the stuff like that giving your kid the medication and all that strain it causes as a parent like you don't care about it for yourself you're like i just don't want my kid to have this i don't want it for them it's not that i don't want the extra effort from whatever all that stuff that i used to learn and you to do and everything you don't care about it you're like i'll do all that i just don't want this yeah like Like, yeah i can totally imagine the frustration anything you could do like you'd rather do it for yourself than give it to her do you know (laughs) yeah exactly yeah you know when you're like god look this I just wanted to have the same opportunity that every other child has. And that's, I think, that's what every parent feels about their kid. Is there such a thing as cystic fibrosis parents support groups? Obviously, you can get support from your friends who don't maybe fully understand because they haven't had to engross their life with cystic fibrosis. But maybe talking to other people who are in the same boat as well mm. is that helpful or there's a cystic fibrosis mommy's group i think it's on facebook and at the beginning i was like i can't hear other people's stories or you know like i just wasn't able for it at the beginning and i'm not really on no i'm not on facebook anymore and i'm not really on lots of social media stuff at, at all so i i am actually involved in those groups but i was put in touch with a, another mom whose daughter was born about eight months before eva it was their first daughter and she has the same gene mutations as eva and we talk to each other regularly we were just put in touch through a mutual friend and now we talk to each other regularly and you know share information she's involved in the mom's group and she finds it really good and helpful and and that community really good there is definitely a really like strong cystic fibrosis community of people who are supportive to each other the thing about people with cystic fibrosis is they can't hang out together because they can pass certain germs that only like cystic fibrosis people with cystic fibrosis might pass to each other yeah and so like Saoirse and uh Eva won't ever get to really hang out with each other in person you know so that's that's really sad it's such a strong community but then the people can't like the people who have the disease can't actually hang out with each other yeah they're isolated within it yeah, so it, yeah, it's weird. but I think there's a really strong community of uh, online, you know, supporting each other. Yeah. And then for parents, there's that community as well. So like, it, it's definitely there. For me at the beginning, I was just like, I just can't hear the reality of some sad stories or some, Yeah. it was too much for me, do you know what I mean? I was like, I just need to deal with every day of what, what's going on for Eva, I can't, because your mind can spiral out of control, I guess. As we said earlier, every child is affected differently. So you're maybe having extreme situations thrown at you from everything, like worst case scenarios or that won't ever apply to your child. And or they might, but I don't want to think about them now. I'll deal with them then, you know, and someone close friend of mine just said to me, like, you got to just go day by day. Like, you just have to take it day by day. And like, you really do. That is how I have to do it, because 
because at the beginning my mind was gone to like what's going to happen imagining scenarios and like what's the point isn't it it's just too draining yeah and so I think yeah I, I just have to do day by day I think it kind of mirrors what we were saying earlier about anxiety you can't take on the burden of every possibility as you said there it, it makes a lot of sense to me what you're saying you're doing you know dealing with it one day at a time and one issue at a time and there's no point in thinking to the future because the future will change because everything surrounding cystic fibrosis is changing yeah and in terms of outcomes there's been a dramatic difference and I'll talk about that more in a minute but you know, these medications that have come on that affect the actual function of the mutated gene protein, like we haven't seen the positive effect of those yet. So, you know, that's all all good things to come. Yeah, you know, I think exactly like we haven't been able to do the studies because the drugs haven't been around yet. So there isn't studies to say like this is how effective these things are. This is how much longer they make people live or this is how much better people's day-to-day lives with cystic fibrosis are with these drugs because they've only been around such a short time so there isn't there isn't that evidence yet to present but anecdotal evidence from people who have been on or especially people who are older with cystic fibrosis you know people in their 30s and then they're put on Caftrio and like their lung function goes up and they are in hospital so much less and they're able to go back to work and when they weren't before you know like all these things like that's well, I mean, it's evidence enough, like for these people to be able to live better lives and go, well, maybe I'll, you know, plan a future instead of going when, when you know, yeah. not being able to do that for themselves, you know? It's life changing. So, totally, totally life changing. Yeah. Rachel, thank you so, so much for talking to me today. And I hope Eva is as well tomorrow as she was today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I really, really appreciate your insight into cystic fibrosis. It's been totally enlightening in terms of family life and the reality and the hope that there is for the future. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Gina. If you enjoy listening to a Wonder Baba podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could follow or subscribe and leave a review. It really helps to support the show. Thank you.